Found us into his circle of friendship, and we're so grateful for that. Good fella. Good to see you all this morning. We're going to be continuing through the gospel. We're going to look this morning at the cross, and we're going to look particularly at Jesus' mother standing at the foot of the cross. And so we are going through the book of Mark, though you wouldn't know that because there's so much outside of Mark we've been looking at that's not mentioned in Mark. Yeah, Mark chapter 15 we began this morning. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15 and verse 40, the Bible says, there, also, there were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Less and Joses, Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with him into Jerusalem. Now that's what the book of Mark has to say about these women. We're going to look at other passages as we go. But that's what Mark says. When we're looking afar off, Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. We saw in the last few weeks he was beaten beyond recognition. And we saw that he prophesied and spoke to the daughters of Jerusalem and said, Weep not for me, but for yourselves and for your children. We see that he had already cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But now we look at the, today, we, we're going to focus on this. Jesus' mother at the foot of the cross. I think it's powerful. I think it's amazing. Pray with me if you would. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that we're here. We thank you, Lord, that you love us as you do. We thank you that we are still free to open the scriptures and see you. We see Jesus. We see him on every page, and we thank you for that. Father, this morning you bring us together with one heart to praise and to worship you, and that we do. We are so grateful to be in your presence this morning, and Lord, we are so glad that we can be named among your children and called Christian. And so, Father, we just ask for an hour of your blessedness, your blessings, that you by your Spirit would open the word unto us, teach us and guide us, give us understanding, and Lord, we know that the more we know of you, the more we'll love you. And this morning we say that we do. We love you this morning. We love you because you first loved us. But we love you, Father, because the more that we understand that you're doing now, that you have done and you promised to do in the future, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace, and for your love. Father, be with us now. Push out the cares of the day of this life and the world. And allow us to hear from your spirit. Teach us, we pray now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's what the book of Mark says about the women. And if you're a Bible student at all, you will look around the other Gospels and even it will lead you back into other places such as the prophecies. But in John, in John 19, verse 25... We see the Bible says that now 
there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and of his mother's and I'm sorry and his mother's sister Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene and when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved he said unto his mother woman behold thy son then saith he to the disciple behold thy mother and from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Did you know did you know Jesus had other siblings? Isn't that interesting? That Jesus in the last hour, one of his last comments was to send his mother home with an apostle, John. I think that's something. And, and this Cleophas, by the way, this wife of Cleophas, Cleophas was one, as you read the Bible and find it in Luke 24, and we're not going there, but you go in Luke 24 and it drop down to about the 13, 14th verse, and you'll find the two walking to Emmaus on the first resurrection morning. And on that first resurrection morning, the two walking to Emmaus were discussing the events there and how Jesus had died and they expected that he had been the one who delivered Israel. And Jesus, the resurrected Christ, his first appearance, what he says, he joins them on the road and he's a stranger to them because he's disguised himself. They don't know who he is and he asks them what they're talking about and why they're so sad. His wife was at the cross and she was close, close enough to hear the Lord speak at the cross. And the Lord said, oh, fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ have suffered these things and gone into glory? Isn't that interesting? I think this message this morning would touch the hearts of mothers. Can you imagine seeing your little boy on a cross? Can you imagine seeing your son beaten to unrecognizable, hanging on the cross for something he didn't do? I can barely imagine these things, but I believe them. I believe them. The last time you and I saw in our studies of the gospel. Last time we saw John, he was at the trial of Jesus Christ in, in, the, uh, in the priest's hall, in the hall there, governor's hall. And he was the one nearest to the action of what was going on. He got in and the Bible says he was led in by someone who knew him and he, he got in when Jesus was arrested and taken for that hideous night of mockery and lies. And he was there as... They accused him, they mocked him, and they did all they could to discredit Jesus there. For the, and for, listen now, for religious purposes, by the way. For the religion. John was standing just, just in the shadows there, listening and watching. And then Peter's recognized by some little girl, 13-year-old girl. And she said, you're one of them. He said, no, I'm not. A little bit later, she says, yes, you are. I can tell by your voice, by your language. He says, no, I'm not. 
Third time she said, I saw you with him. And the Bible says he cursed and said, I know not the man. I don't know him. Denial of Christ. Wild. Wild time. But the last time we saw John, he stayed. Peter, he saw, he saw there such a sorrowful night. He's, John, who we just read his rendition, John saw the Lord come out, and he's the one who told Peter, who said, no matter what, I'll never deny you. And he said, oh, my friend, tonight, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. He said, no, I won't. And the third time that he denied him and swore, the Bible says he swore and said, I don't know the man, immediately the cock crowed. Jesus comes out bound. He makes eye contact with Peter. And Peter ran out of place. Wouldn't you? And uh, John saw that. John's standing there watching that transaction. He saw that. I suppose, and I'm pretty sure he heard Jesus say to Peter, you'll deny me. And Peter said, no, I won't. And he, and he said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And John saw that. He saw Peter make eye contact with Jesus. Do you think Jesus would pay for that? Not for a second. The watchful care, the, the watchful care of Jesus, the eyes of the Lord are upon us always. Do you think you got away with something? He was there. Do you know he was in the room? Do you know he was watching? Do you know that gives great occasion for Satan to say, this is one of your children. What do you think now? The Lord said, yes, he is. That's my son. Yes, he is. As a son, I know how this affects me. As a mother, I have no idea. But John saw all of those things that night. He saw the strange proceedings and what issued from those proceedings of lies and mockery. And John knew that was all a lie. John, the youngest of the disciples, he saw a weak governor, and he heard a weak governor give sentence and say this, I don't believe he's guilty. He said three times, what is the problem with this man? Why are you doing this? And finally he said this, I wash my hands of the whole thing. Unto your will I release him. John saw that, a weak governor give way. And where did John go when, when it was over? Where did John go? Peter went out to a solitary place and the Bible says wept bitterly. I believe John went back to the other disciples and then he went to Mary's home. That's what I believe. He's the one that brought her to the cross. He went back and told Mary. Now that judgment hall was no place for his mother. That's, that's a given. That judgment hall was no place for Mary. But he brought her to the cross. Hmm. So here's Mary, 
the mother of our Lord standing at the foot of the cross. Close enough to hear his voice and far enough that she cannot comfort him. You see Mary. And so today I want to look at this. What was she thinking? And I'm not telling you I know, but I'm telling you, listen to this. What could have gone through the mother's mind? What did her heart remember? What did the heart of Mary remember as her son was dying? It's an interesting relationship they had. Before we go any farther, I want to say to you, you can search the Gospels, and I have, and you can search, and he never called her mother. Not once. She called him son. She called Joseph his father. He never once re referred to her as his mother. He never once referred to Joseph as his father. Now the Joseph one we get. Why not with Mary? Why did he never call her mother? Look what's happened in the world out of that. Is it something? And so if you'll turn your Bible, we're going to spend some time in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This is where we find Mary is spouse and great with child. It is what's read mostly at the Christmas time. But I want to say to you, if you're a Christian here this morning, every day is Christmas and every day is Easter. Every day is the Resurrection Sunday. If you're born again... Every day is Christmas, and the gift is Christ, and you should be a gift. You should be the gift to those around you by sharing the truth of the gospel, in, if nothing more than your lifestyle. And it says Mary was great with child, verse 5. She was at those days that should be delivered. It says in verse 13 of chapter 2 of Luke, And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You get that? Goodwill toward men. I heard that wrong most of my life. I thought it was men toward each other. Because people are nice at Christmas for a week. Have you noticed that? People are kind of nice about Christmas time. I think they're wanting something from you, but I think people, are, they're nice at Christmas time for about a week, and it goes away. And 9-11 happened in the, where that ball stadium collapsed when I was younger. I can't remember. But um, the churches were full every morning from people on their way to work praying and all that. And someone said to me, isn't it wonderful? And I said, it is. I hope it lasts. It lasted, I, I predicted 10 days, but it lasted 8. We soon forget. And so, goodwill toward men. That's what Jesus brought. And it came to pass that the angels were gone away from him them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Verse 19, look what Mary did. 
But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The mother of Jesus. The mother of Jesus. Told by an angel she was going to have a child, and she said, I don't think that's possible. And he said, oh, that it is. But this holy thing, interesting wording, the Bible says this holy thing in you now is of the Holy Spirit. But Mary kept these things. She heard all the prophecies and she heard what the angels had to say and the heralding from heaven's courts itself. And then verse 25, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, look at verse 28 with me. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. And said, Lord, now let us, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Parenthetically, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You think Mary might have been remembering that at the foot of the cross? If Isaiah 52, the last two verses of Isaiah 52 say his visage was marred more than that of any man. Isaiah's prophecy tells us that the Bible says through the Holy Spirit that my back they have plowed. This is the son crying to the father, they plowed my back. They've laid it in furrows, the Bible says. And I told you this before, but the historians of the day, and it's Josephus and it is uh, Origen, and they tell you this, that you can see his lungs inflate and deflate through his back ribcage. That's how badly he was beaten. I personally believe that religious art is basically silly. I don't care for it much, and that's my opinion, but you can have yours, and they have Jesus, has, look, you see some of these people, he has like three or four drops of blood on his forehead. He was unrecognizable as a man. He says in Psalm 22, he cries to the Father, and he says, they pierced my feet and my hands. He said, Father, they drove nails in me. What would you do if that was your son? And he's crying to the Father, now the mother stands at his feet and sees what they've done to him. That's her son. 
I was asked one day for ministry purposes to attend an execution and I was not able to get there. I went to the family's home that evening. The mother couldn't speak. Watch her son lose his life. And convinced he didn't commit the crimes. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but she could not speak. And so I sat there for some time and I walked to her before I left and hugged her. And she told me she was going to die. She said, My heart's broken. I'm going to die. I think you can understand that, can't you? I can understand that. But all the ministry of Jesus Christ, how he got here, we looked, at, we looked three weeks ago at him standing before Pilate and Pilate asking him the questions. They mocked him, they spit on him, they pulled parts of his beard out, they blindfolded him, they slapped him, they hit him with reeds. And they mocked him, they put a, a robe of purple on him, a king's robe, and a crown of thorns, and they said they dropped to the knees before him and mocked him, saying, All hail the king. And on the cross he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Clearly they don't know what they're doing. Can I say to you, most of the world today doesn't know what it's doing? Most of the world does not know what it's doing with Jesus Christ. Doesn't know. I listen, and I get to hear many conversations during the week. I, I, I'm in, in the vicinity of a lot of people that are talking about a lot of things, and I listen to what they're saying. And can I tell you this? Most people don't have a clue. Children are involved in things the Bible calls abominations, and they're okay with it. They're all right. Can I tell you where the problem lies? The foot of the pulpit. The foot of the pulpit. Too many churches have said, it's okay. It's okay. But greater sin than that, than saying it's okay when it's not okay, is not teaching the truth when the ability is there. And so we have the announcement of his birth, and Mary hears that. She pondered it. We have the promise of Simeon. And then we read this, a sword shall pierce thy soul, not your heart. Simeon says to her, I have now held in my arms the redemption of Israel. The salvation is in my arms. The Spirit of God recognized the Spirit of God, and he said, this is, this is him. This is that child. But he says shortly to Mary, very quickly, he says this, a sword shall pierce thy soul. Luke 2 and 42. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among the kinsfolk and the acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again into Jerusalem seeking him. 
And it came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, the subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You ever lose a child? I used to hide from my aunt. My aunt used to watch me and I, she took me shopping. Let me tell you where a little five-year-old boy doesn't want to go. Shopping. And it stuck. I'll tell you where a 63-year-old man doesn't want to go. Shopping. But where she took me one day, they had clothes on circle racks. You, remember, you know those racks? And there was always a mannequin on top. If you bump it, it'll fall and you'll get a whipping. And there was a circle rack full of these clothes. Great place to hide. You will get a whipping. The police were looking for me. She was calling my name. She was a foot and a half away from me. But I was behind the slips and the pantyhose. I knew where I was. If I come out, I have to shop more. But honestly, I say this to you. Her face, when I came out of there, it was half terror from fear and half terror from anger. She was so mad at me for hearing her and not coming out. You see it? No, I killed my kids for that one. I would have whipped. Oh, boy. But I was in there, and I knew if I came out, we were going to shop some more, so I thought, I'll just go in here. Now, I wasn't shopping anymore. And I came out of there, and there was a policeman standing there who I would have rather dealt with. All he had was a gun, a strap, and a club. I went home and heard about it. She expressed it to me with language I knew not of. It was <laughs> apparently an angelic host taught her those words. She told me about it and I went home and she said, do you know how my heart was pounding? I wasn't even her child and she said, I lost you. Oh man. That's not what I was thinking when I was a child. I was thinking I don't have to shop. They tell me I was left home from church one day when I was a child. The family got to church and realized I wasn't there. Is that right? Yep, yep. yep. You remember that? Yep, yep, yep. I always didn't want to go to church. I couldn't have been, I was three years old. Best ride we took. Yeah, I was three years old. <laughs> I know that because my mother died when I was four and she was still there. I don't remember the event. But I asked my dad about it when I was older, and he said, it's the most terrorizing thing to be somewhere and somebody's missing. And Joseph and Mary were coming home. Jesus, Jesus had never once disobeyed them. 
and they turn around, they come back, and they find him. Three days later, three days going by. That's an anxious three days. 20 minutes is a long time. And in this world, I mean, they call out the CIA now, because this is a weird place. Three days, they went back, and they found him sitting among the religious leaders and lawyers and scribes and doctors, asking questions and giving them answers. Like a 12-year-old boy to answer you about the things that you know. And they were amazed at his answers and his understanding. She said, why have you dealt with us this way? Why have you treated us this way? Don't you know your father and I have been upset? Have you ever looked at that? She calls Joseph his father, and he says, I must be about my father's business. And then it quickly tells you they didn't understand that. They quickly did not understand what he was talking about. And then he went back home and was subject unto him as he'd always been. But I want you to know that through the scriptures, and you read the Gospels, you'll find not one time did he call her mother. Look what's happened to that idea. A new, a new type of sonship had to be revealed. A brand new type of sonship had to be revealed. And I've heard people say, say to me, and people have said to me this, Jesus was rude to the woman who bore him. Can I tell you Jesus was never rude? Very tender with his mother. Very tender with his mother. And so that's the puzzle. It says in verse 50 there, after he said, my father's business is what I must be about. My father's business. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And, they, and he went down with them and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Don't you think she thought about that at the cross? What boy is this? John 2 and verse 1, and we, you know the story of the wedding of Canaan in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. John 2 and 2 says, And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. He only had four, I think, at the time. And they wanted wine, and the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Does that sound rude to you? You know what his mother said? It's the best advice in all the Bible. His mother said to the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. It's still the best advice in the Bible. Outside the Holy Spirit speaking, Jesus' mother said to his servants, Whatever he says, you do that. If you read carefully, you'll find this is a time in his life when his brothers and sisters thought he was crazy. The Bible said they went looking for him and to bring him back home and said he's beside himself. He's lost his mind. He's out there with a, with a band of scallywags. He's got to follow him, and he is just saying some crazy things. But let me ask you this. The first thing we read in Mark, and it's in the very first chapter of Mark, it says, Jesus then as he entered his ministry, walked into the temple, and all the spirits were riled up. And they started cursing him and threatening him. 
And Jesus said, stop it. The original language says, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Now here's what I want you to think about with me. What are those spirits doing in the temple? What are people like that doing in church? Over the years, I've had people come to church and they're visitors or... Please. No. Uh-oh. They've been visitors. And people bring them. And I'm not a nice guy, really. I say what I think should be said. And I preach the sermons to these people. You want to see from the front what I've seen in their faces. When the spirits are confronted, can I tell you this? They don't like it. Jesus walked into the temple, his presence. And we began this study of Mark, what, 12 years ago? How long have it been? A year and a half now. We began this study of Mark. We're going to conclude it here one of these months. But I want to say this to you. The first thing it says is Jesus walked in and the spirits went crazy. And I started this book of, of Mark which is most likely, if you read the books, it's probably the gospel according to Peter. And Mark was the writer. Yep. Amen. Fishermen don't write too well, I guess. I don't know. Peter wrote, his books were beautiful. Holy Spirit's work. Mark was, Mark was to Peter what Timothy was to Paul. He followed him around and said, tell me more. What, what, what else did Jesus do? What did he do that day? You walked on water? Two steps. <laughs> That's more than the others. That's two steps more than the other 11 who said, don't you know you can't walk on water? You're a fisherman. It has to be really cold before you can do that. And Peter said, you, the Lord said, come. Jesus looked at me and said, come to me. And I did. But he was in a storm. And he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked at the wind and the waves. Isn't that interesting? Because the book of Revelation in the 15th chapter tells us this. The crowds, the, the roar of the crowds is like turbulent water. And the waters which thou sawest where the, dumb, where the great horse sets are peoples and nations and kindreds and tongues. That's what the Lord describes people. I used to work downtown about three blocks from the college stadium, football stadium. And this time of year is beautiful. I don't know where you folks are from, but it's pure, it is a, you, you hit the prettiest weekend we've ever seen. Little allergies out there, but it's all right. I'd open the doors and smell the people cooking bratwurst. I mean, it was beautiful. <laughs> and they ever, now and then, KU would score. Rarely, but it would happen. And you'd hear the and it sounded like. I didn't know what it sounded like till I went to Florida. I went to Hawaii and I stood by the ocean one night at 3 a.m. And that's what it sounded like. When John said the roar of the water. Now I get it. I grew up around ponds and little creeks and they don't roar. They lap. But they don't roar. And so... The Revelation says, the waters which thou sawest are peoples, kindreds, nations of people. 
even back in Genesis chapter 2, we find that God breathed spirit into man, and that's called pneumos, which is pneumatic, which is wind. And so Peter took his, took his eyes off Jesus, and he saw the peoples stirred up by a contrary wind. And that's a spirit of this world that just stirs people up. Now, if you know it or not, we live in a world stirred up by dark spirits. I hope you believe, I hope you see that, I hope you're seeing that today. We live in a world stirred up by dark spirits. And they're angry. And they're fearful. They are not. They're causing the people to be. They know what they're doing. It's called deception. You know how you get people to turn on each other? You make them angry and afraid. And they will turn on each other. Have we seen that? Some of you people mean to me. That's not deception. That's insanity. I'm a great guy. Ask me. And so you have this. You have this, as we started out teaching in Mark, the disturbing presence of Jesus Christ. He's disturbing to the world. He disturbs people. He makes unbelievers really nervous and he makes Christians convicted. Just the spirit of Jesus Christ. Praise God. To unbelievers, anger comes out. I've been preaching before and someone's face contorts, they get up and run out of here. I've seen it. They won't be under conviction. They're just angry. They won't be convicted. But they also won't be here. And the things that the people tell me that brought them later, I'm like, yeah, I know, I saw that. Yeah, that there's this disturbing presence Mary in her lifetime first she was told she's with child of the Holy Spirit then she was told this little baby came to reveal the hearts of men it's going to pierce your soul as he grows one day they go to temple and they went in companies. They went in families and companies and neighborhoods, and that's how it was. And they, they were coming home and did not know that Jesus was not with them. Panic. She and Joseph say, We're going back. We got to. And they find him. And she says, Why did you treat us like this? Without apology, without explanation, with no other. He said, This. Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? No. <laughs> they said they wondered at that. They, they did not know. They did not know he was. But you see the separation. He has to say this. Jesus, not anybody else ever, but Jesus said this. That's what Jesus said. I have to mark a new sonship. A new sonship has to be revealed. This is the one who said, if you don't hate your father and mother, you can't follow me. And people get all wound up in that one. But it has to look like you love this one so much. This one, you have to follow this one no matter what this one says. He says, you, it has to look like you hate your mother, your brothers, your sisters. You have to be able to forsake houses and lands and money to do what I called you to do. And I give every one of you born in this world, I give every one of you a purpose. And the gift to fulfill that purpose. And one day, you'll stand before me and we're going to discuss how you did the job I gave you to do. The Bible says, 
Don't ever, don't ever mistake this. The Bible says to each person when the Spirit or the Lord speaks to them, now you go your way. This is my brother, that's my sister, this is a sister. And we grew up in a house, there were nine of us. There still are. God's been good. Amen, brother. Still are. But we got this in a rural setting for the last half of us. In a rural setting, we heard this a lot. I want you to go and do those things. That was my job. I heard, I heard the instruction to the other children. Glad it wasn't me. But I was, I was given jobs to do, and so were you, and that's what the authority said, and I want you to do that. Now go your way. Go. Go do it. Go do it. Isn't that something? And what kind of father would it have been to say, go and dig a hole and not give me a shovel? What kind of father would it have been to say, go do a job, but there's no equipment to do the job, and do a good job, One day my dad said to me, he looked at the job I kind of did, and he said, are you happy with that? And I said, I'm thrilled. It's, it's over. And he said, really, you like that? And I said, I'm good. He said, well, I'm not. And so we did it again. What I mean is I did it while he was pushing me around. And he said, that's how it should be. And I said, I was good. <laughs> and... He didn't hit me that time. He said this. He said, my name's on that. When I said, what? He said, well, your name's on that. And you shared my name. I don't want people to come here and think that's how I think it should be done. And I thought, well, you do it. <laughs> but that's, isn't, that good, isn't that good training for a young Christian? Whose name do you carry? What name is in Christian? What name's in there? And the Lord says, I've called you to do a job. Now, if you were taught that or not, or you've been to that, or you've even asked the Lord what your job is, that's your business. But I believe with everything in me, we're going to stand before him one day and give an account of how we did with the work he gave us to do. And it doesn't, he's not, it doesn't matter what your mom thought you were good at, what your dad thought you were good at, what you, it's what the Holy Spirit said, I, I, I gave you life for. This was your purpose I gave you all the tools. Now listen, this is serious. The worst sin in the world is not the things that we do, it's the things we neglect to do. It's not the sin of commission, it's the sin of omission. Because if you were doing what you were supposed to do, you couldn't do the other things, but this is what it is. We stand before the Lord one day, and if we stand before Him and He says, did you do what you were supposed to do? And the answer is no, to, to much of a degree... Not only is there be a loss or a reward for the person who didn't do it, I believe he's going to say, look out there. Those would have come to Christ if you had done your job. It would have been a stepping stone or a seed planted. You would have been the one watering. You would have been involved in them coming to an eternal life, and they're not coming in. You think that's wild, maybe. I don't know. But here's what Christians say to me now. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I know I might lose a few rewards. I don't care about that. 
Do you believe you can look in the face of your Savior and say, I did what I wanted to do. Didn't care what you wanted from me. And be good with that. I don't buy it. I don't think you're thinking very much about what the judgment's going to be like. If you're a Christian here this morning, if you've been born again, you've been saved, you're not going to go to a judgment of heaven or hell. That's not the judgment. And so most people, in my estimation, in my lifetime, I've had conversations with say this, okay, I don't have to do anything now. Are you telling me that you get born again and you can do whatever you want and still go to heaven? I'm telling you that. You'll probably go a lot quicker and be real sad at the judgment. He takes his children home. In, heart, in the heart of Mary, the foot of the cross, she remembers Jesus came to a wedding one day and turned the water into wine. This relationship thing, and we're about done this morning, the relationship that he taught. It says in Mark 3, if you remember we were in there some time ago, Mark 3 and verse 31, and then came his brothers and mother standing without and said, and they sent to him, calling him, and the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek thee. And if you go to the other gospels, you'll find that they were saying he's beside himself. He's, he's mentally ill. He needs to come home. But Mark says, and he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked around on them which said about him and said, behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Is that hateful to his mother? Is that hateful to the one who gave him life? The only one in the history who was given life by a woman and returned the favor, he gave life right back. And here's the reality. Came to pass that he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. But he said to her, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Brand new relationship. Now I do have friends, and I've had this ongoing debate, and a different denomination, by the way, that say, you say disparaging things about Mary. Mary was blessed among women, highly favored, and boy, we esteem her. Nowhere in the Bible says that we pray to her. Isn't that something? Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And so we finish this morning with this idea. I want you to think of this. Questions. You, you answer them in your mind. What, what was Mary thinking at the foot of the cross? Close enough to hear his voice but couldn't touch him to console it. Her son. 
What does she remember now? She called Jesus her son many times, but he never called her mother. Look it up. Mary refers to Joseph as Jesus' father, but he does not ever recognize that relationship. I think that's interesting. A higher sonship had to be recognized. Did Jesus love Mary? I think there might have been times when she questioned that. I don't know. Every time she called him out in public, she told her, back off. Who is my mother? Woman? 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, prescribe most men to call their mother woman all the time. The last provision of Christ from the cross, the last provision he made was for the, um, the comfort, the earthly comforts of his mother. And he looked down and he saw the Marys, Salome, he saw three Marys. If he said Mary by any way, if he was he's talking to, there were three Marys and John was right there. And I want to tell you something about John. If you read with me in the Bible that John the Apostle was called by Jesus and all the others and himself, the disciple that Jesus loved, can you say with me this morning, he was probably known because he was the disciple that loved Jesus. I think John, I believe this, I believe John Whole different gospel. The other three are pretty close. John's a whole different thing. It's very high Christology. It's about Jesus being Jesus. It's about Jesus being the Lord. It's not about him being the king. It's not about him being the worker, the man, the physician. It's about him being the Lord. He said, That's all very high Christology in the simplest terms. And then he writes 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, where he says, little children, little children, listen to him. Do what he says. And then he gets the privilege of writing the book of Revelation. John. The one that the Bible says, the one whom Jesus loved, I believe it's because he's the one who loved Jesus differently than the others with that kind of heart. And I believe he understood more about Jesus, honestly, Jesus and who he was and his work than any of the other disciples. And so Jesus said to John, Behold thy mother. He had siblings. There were other disciples. But Jesus sent his mother home with John. And I believe that's the reason. John knew more of the heart of Christ. I believe that. The one who got in and he saw the judgment hall fiasco. Peter, more abrupt and dubious Peter, ran out, wept. John backed into the shadows. He saw it all. He was there. And he went and reported to his fellow disciples. And then he went to Mary's house and said, this is what's, let's go. And Mary went to him and stood at the foot of the cross. The Bible doesn't teach, and I don't, I don't know for sure, but I don't think she saw him give up the ghost. I think he turned at that moment and took her out of there. I believe when he said, behold thy son, John took her away.
glaring question in her lifetime, in Jesus' lifetime, does my son really love me? I believe he confirmed every question. I think her heart knew when she walked away. He cares for me. He's sending me to a place, taking care of me. Do you think of the cross very much? Do you think of God coming here and dying in your stead so you can live? I'm astounded by Christians who tell me, I don't think of the judgment. I don't think of standing before Christ. I don't think of giving account for this life. Well, I'm telling you this. Believe me, don't believe me. Look it up. God made you with a purpose. He put you in a place. And he equipped you with the ability. And we will all answer how we performed our ministries. 2 Corinthians 2 and 4. Chapter, I'm sorry, 4 and verse 2, backwards. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul says, Seeing then that we have this ministry, let us live right out in front of people honestly. Not twisting the scriptures around. Not making a square peg fit in a round hole. But before the whole world saying, this is what it says, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You plan on telling the Lord when you stand before him one day how busy you were, how important you were, how good you were at what you did, and so you were so necessary that you couldn't assemble together with fellow believers. The Bible says in chapter 4 of the Gospel of Luke, as his custom was, Jesus went to the temple and stood up for to read from the scriptures. Do you love him this morning? He loves you. Oh, he's proven it a million ways. A million ways he's proven his love for you. And he just says this, and this is to the heart of everyone who's ever lived. They know this answer. Do you love me back? Do you? He's not looking for a verbal answer. He's looking for a life lived. By leave, believe, by live. The word believe means what you live by. What you really believe is what you do, not what you say. I'm so grateful for the Lord. Amen. His mother stood there. What her heart must have remembered. Father, we just thank you now for this time. We ask that you would just bring the words to our spirits, our souls, our minds, our hearts, that you would tell us what they mean. Speak to us, we pray. We're here this morning because we love you. Help us to understand what that means, how we really, really can love you back. Lord, be with us now and through this week. Help us to do your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have uh, one final hymn to sing, uh, but before that I want to make a quick announcement. Uh, October is...